This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Beckinsale. About three things I was absolutely positive. First, Twilight is hated. Second, there is a part of it, and I don't know how dominant that might be, that is indefensible. And third, we are unconditionally and irrevocably going to try to redeem it today on Bacon Cell. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> We're pretty good. excited. Yeah. Welcome to Bacon Cell. I'm Joel. I'm Kent. And I'm Zach. And I'm so excited to talk about last week's episode because it was so much fun last week's episode. It was good. Looking back at last week and not, not today. Um, <laughs> today is going to be an excellent show. Thank you for all everyone who listened and who commented. Uh, we had a couple comments I wanted to read here today. Scott Sprague. You guys remember Scott Sprague? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He said, I went into the episode hoping you'd mention three things. Bare Naked Ladies, Charles Manson, and Teen Wolf. Thanks for nailing it. <laughs> Boom! Context about what episode we did. We talked about the Beach Boys. I don't want context on that. <laughs> <laughs> Aubrey Larson said, really, really loved this episode. You know I always love the history and combining that with the music was top notch. Great format. I think you should repeat. Oh, okay. So maybe we should. We'll do. Baking Babs on Twitter said, another great episode. I got all sorts of childhood flashbacks of record players and summer days. And God Only Knows is definitely the winner for adult me. Child me probably would have picked Surfing USA. You should definitely do this again. Okay, we will. And then we That's got awesome. uh, one final comment from Mark Buffington. He said, you guys made me feel all the feels. I lost my dad when I was 12. He died. I didn't misplace him. And <laughs> the Beach Boys always bring back memories of road trips with him across the Midwest. Beach Boys and Chicago every vacation. Great episode. God Only Knows is on my top 10 all-time songs. Oh, man. Isn't that okay. great? Doesn't that make you feel great? It does. So there's a reason we actually did the show. Yeah. Well, we and that's obviously, you know, we wanted yeah. to, you know, give a shout out to the dads out there and, and, you know, remind people of the Beach Boys and how fun they are. And I think, I think we succeeded. Yeah. Let's we do will that. do it again. Let's just do it right now. The same episode again. Please. Nope. Please. We? No, I can't take the uh, the Twitter storm after uh, some of the things I said on the last episode. So <laughs> You did get some, uh, yeah. some hate there. Yeah, you got some hate. Yeah. I loved it. Uh, oh, before we get into that, though, yes. before we get into today's episode, uh, we had another uh, someone join the baking council, mm-hmm. Stephen Ross. <gasps> Does this mean? And so <gasps> I have it. Stephen Ross's patron song. Yes. yes. So once again, this is if you're a patron of Bacon Sale, if you're a member of the Bacon Council, one of the perks is that I write you a dumb parody song. And so they're not all great. Because I'm doing them and I'm not like a professional. 97.3% all great. This is your thing. You're very good at it. I have this now and I actually brought along with me uh, a keyboard as well. So I'm going to put that up here. Okay. So here we go. Stephen Ross, here's your song. Sounds funny, but when it comes to Nerf guns I believe he's got them all Seems to me that when he came on our show He proved he's more than just Discount Jacob That's right, he's Steven. He's Steven Ross and he's awesome. Yeah. And that's why Steven Ross is 
cooler than Steve Rogers. Whoa, whoa, yeah. Nice. You know, I don't know what I'm more impressed about. The fact that I just feel so chill right now. Yeah. <laughs> or that we actually have bacon cell singers in the background. Uh, yeah, I brought them along too, along with my keyboard and the drums and all yeah. that. So thanks for joining the Bacon Cave. There you go, Steven. That was one take. It was a one take. So I didn't get it exactly right, but hopefully you still enjoyed it. One take, Joel. Woo! So good. Thank you, Joel. You're welcome. Very Thank good. you, Steven. Let's talk about Beach Boys again. <laughs> nope. Nope. We're not gonna. How come? Because what are we talking about today, Zach? We are in defense of Twilight. How did this happen? Why did this happen? So well, there was a social media post that went out this past week, and it was actually based on something that happened on a previous show, episode 155, I believe, Joel? Yeah, My Bay, Michael Bay, back in 2018. Back in 2018, where the Bacon Sale gang actually defended notorious director Michael Bay. We had mm-hmm. an idea. I'm pretty sure it was probably Jacob's. Yeah, he wasn't even here for that show. I know. Well, he's not, uh, he's never been on an indefensive show. I think he makes us talk about these bad things and walks away. Yeah, just laughing. But he had this thing of like, what if we took something everyone generally hates and we try to defend it? Or you said that. Yeah, One it, was, of it was me because I, I love defending stuff that people really hate. Yeah. So Ken's idea then. Don't blame me for this one specifically. The I'm blame should go elsewhere. Because then we put the poll out there, as Zach mm-hmm. said, and we got all sorts of comments and ideas and suggestions. Some better Honestly, than others. about 20 ideas for shows because there were so many bad things you put out into the universe out mm-hmm. there. And I'm talking you, the lowercase listener. Well, and we, we had to pick one that we thought would be like, this would be good for a whole show, not just a bacon yeah. bit. We have to be able to talk to the whole time. Has mm-hmm. to be generally disliked. We were considering just doing like uh, three of us taking a single movie, just right. doing three movies right. or something yeah. like that. But but then Jonathan Vasgar said, the Twilight movie and its most ardent followers, because I think this is impossible. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Come Such on, high energy. Joel. Yeah. If, if anything, <laughs> if anyone walks away from Bacon Cell with one, if, if they've listened to all the Bacon Cell episodes, the one thing I want them to come out with is how much I hate Twilight. I brought it up so many times, Kent. So many times how I hate the show. Kaboom. No, well, no, no right on. now. Hold kaboom. On. Okay. Kaboom was something we used for Michael Bay's show when we'd start to get a little too bitter because our, our whole point of the show is to be to be defensive of the show and give positive. some good positive points about something that is generally disliked. Yes. We can't say kaboom. There's no kabooms in Twilight. So we have to do something else like a sparkle, sparkle. <laughs> Twice? Yes, Can we just say twice. sparkle? sparkle. No, nope, it's sparkle sparkle. sparkle, sparkle. I feel like sparkle is already an insult. Nope. So to even to say that as an objection. Bonus points if you whisper. Sparkle sparkle, 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 sparkle is sparkle. a new, at, that's like the safe word type thing where it's like if, <laughs> if any of us starts to stray into negative territory. Or passive, Joel, like passive aggressive. Sarcasm. Sarcastic. Joel, they talk about how bad Twilight sucks and Joel, how it's a terrible sparkle, book sparkle, 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 sparkle. Then you get called on it. This is how I want people to view this show. We are all attorneys here. Mm-hmm. Zach, even you. You better have nice things to say as well. Mm -hmm. We are attorneys, and we were just handed this defendant. We are pro bono attorneys, and we were handed this I like you too. It's true. Yeah. Bono. (laughs) Pro Pro bono. Pro bono. We'll do a U2 show sometime. Hey. But we were handed a client that the state, everyone wants to accuse. And the thing is, we have to take this case, and we have to truly defend why they are not as guilty as everyone says they are. This is like getting in the room with your client and this is a hypothetical. I'm not talking about Twilight. Maybe I'm just this is why you can't be an attorney, Joel. Mm-hmm. Go on. But the client comes to me and says, oh, I totally did it. I totally <laughs> murdered this person. I have no regrets whatsoever. And I'm going to murder again. Defend him. Defend me. Yes. And I'll be like, okay. Just put on your best uh, Saul Goodman suit. And then we'll Saul make Goodman. this happen. 
And we're not saying that all of a sudden this is going to change everyone's view of Twilight, but I think we should bring up the positives that will maybe enlighten people about the good aspects of it, because generally it's hated. And it's been a dozen years since these movies were in the height of mainstream. Generally it's hated, but what I was going to say is for everyone that says they hate Twilight, this made a lot of money. Yeah, so a lot money. of money yeah. in book sales and in movie sales. This made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So it's like the McDonald's thing. Remember, like, oh, yeah, I hate McDonald's. And they're making billions and billions. Like, well, someone's going someone's there. there. I own many copies of the books. Yeah, exactly. Do you? No, I don't. Yeah. Do you own copies of the books, Kent? I did. Wow. Once upon a time. <laughs> I, they weren't mine. But this is back when I was uh, married. It's probably a reason why it ended. Um, (laughs) sparkle sparkle (laughs) no that's uh, uh, i don't know no so i do have a history with this series like i read all the and i've said this on a few shows i've read the series this was back when i was in a book club and some cougars were telling me hey you need to read this book series don't please don't don't bring byu into this (laughs) (laughs) a lot of repressed people so byu students were telling me i need to read this book series because i like supernatural stuff and it remind would remind me of buffy and so I, I read them just to see what all the hype was about. And I didn't quite get there, but I did read every single book. And then obviously, I think we've all seen all the movies, right? Yes. I've seen all the movies. I have not read all the books. Have I, you seen the movies without riff tracks? A couple of them without riff tracks. So you haven't seen all of them? If you don't know what Rift Tracks is, it's Mystery Science Theater. Uh, The guys from Mystery Science Theater actually create an audio track that you can play along with uh, many different movies, popular movies, and they make fun of the movie as you're watching it. Very hilarious. Not a sponsor, but it made these movies palatable. I watched the first couple, I think, without, and then I was like, I don't want to watch any more. So into Breaking Dawn territory, you watch Rift Tracks. Yeah. And then I went back and watched the other ones with Rift Tracks as well. Right. But I I had one person who was a very uh, adamant proponent of the books Mm -hmm. get after me and says, well, if you haven't read them, then you can't mock them. And I was like, okay. And so I started to read the first book and it was not at all something I would enjoy reading. This is just facts. And so I'm not, don't sparkle, sparkle me, but I, I don't think we're to the sparkle, sparkle we're just, okay, good, good. To your, your personal experience. So yes. then I went, okay, well, I want to know what happened. So I went through and read the summaries of all the books. So I went through each book, read the summary, mm-hmm. tried to figure out who characters were. I actually did dive in and, and got like kind of a condensed version of what happens in each book. So I knew. Right. And then I was able to mock it to her and she didn't, uh-huh. she didn't like that. But at the same time, I could talk about imprinting all day and she couldn't do anything about you it. You love <laughs> talking about imprinting. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> Sparkle, sparkle. Yeah. Sparkle yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about my experience. So I would like you to bring you back to the summer of 2008, July. What movie comes out in July of 2008? The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. Midnight showing. Me and the girl I was dating at the time go and see this movie. And it was the last midnight showing proper. I waited in line at 8 o'clock midnight showing back that I went day. to. Back yes. in the day. The last one. That means that I owed her a favor. <laughs> for showing nope. her fantastic cinema hey, you nope. gave her a gift november 2008 happens midnight showing wearing my batman t-shirt i went to the midnight showing of the first twilight movie well to support robert pattinson his role as batman it makes perfect sense yeah you knew yeah because i knew at the time i went to the midnight showing of the first one and had feelings which may come up uh and then red to the second one and fell asleep and then I think saw the first Breaking Dawn in theater. Mm-hmm. And that was all that I had seen of the movies. 
until Monday of this week, gentlemen. I hate oh, you guys. No. I made this choice, I should say. I, on Monday, watched two movies. And then on Tuesday, watched three movies. Finger boop. Boop. I rewatched all You watched all five well. in the last all week? All five in the past I week. watched the Honest Trailer for all four movies. I watched, first of all, maybe that Honest Trailer, not as funny as they usually are. No, especially when they don't have the old voice yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I watched uh, all five of them this week. They are very fresh in my mind. Um, like manure. Because just within the last few days, uh, I have watched all five of them. For, and, and I legitimately saw most of the series for the first time. The only wow. one that okay. I was familiar with was that first one. And I didn't remember anything but the honeymoon scenes of uh of breaking dawn part one so it was really honestly I see where your mind's at <laughs> <laughs> yeah playing chess a lot of chess um family friendly <laughs> that's what you do right yeah <laughs> so uh for me honestly it was a new experience granted uh knowing all about the pop culture elements of it like nothing was was super surprising but i more or less so watched them fresh this you're week. actually removed from the popularity like 10 years yeah when you watch them fresh now yeah. so okay this is interesting so what we want to do is just kind of go through and talk about some of the positives. We'll take little breaks here, just little mental breaks. You know, the, for me, for my sake, we'll adjourn the, the court for a little bit. Just to let off a little steam and then we'll get back to the defense. But yes, I am going to try to unironically defend Twilight and tell people why some parts are good. Okay. Well, let's get into the facts first. I can speak about facts with uh, no vitriol in my voice. You read a summary? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Stephanie Meyer was born December 24th in 1973 in Hartford, Connecticut, the second of six children to financial officer Stephen Morgan and Candy Morgan, a homemaker. She attended Brigham Young University, marrying at the age of 21, before graduating with a degree in English in 1997. She had no prior experience as an author, but she was an English major. And then one night, the Twilight series came to her in a dream. It's basically Paul McCartney. (laughs) <laughs> Paul McCartney's best songs came to him in a dream. Don't yeah. The two. <laughs> sparkle, sparkle. Sparkle, sparkle. Sorry. Uh, so she had a dream about a human girl and a vampire who was in love with her, but he thirsted for her blood. So then she woke up and she decided to write this draft of her dream, which became chapter 13 of the first book. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then she decided to kind of backfill the first 12 chapters in secret. Not, didn't really show it to anyone. She kind of just started writing. And she said that she really had little to no experience with vampires uh, previous to writing this book. She said, in fact, that her, her vampire myth- mythology differs from all other authors because she wasn't informed about vampire canon. So, I wonder if she wasn't ex- as exposed to maybe rated R movies. Well, or not, even like classic, which is weird, but Universal Dracula back in the day. But I mean, everyone, we did a whole show about vampires mm-hmm. uh, last season. Why didn't she listen? I don't know. <laughs> she wrote the books decade before I that. I guess so. But really, I'm like, everyone kind of has a concept of vampires and general rules, I thought. But like her vampires, for example, they don't have uh, sharp canines. Right. They don't have the fangs. They just have very powerful, sharp like teeth, regular yes. teeth. Uh, her vampires sparkle in the sun instead of burning up in the sun. But to be honest here, there are many different canon mythologies about vampires. True. There's not just one. I know. And m- most of it goes off Bram Stoker's kind of thing. And even then, right. he was a shapeshifter. You don't really get shapeshifting as much anymore. Right. And so she kind of created her own vampire folklore. Yes, she did. Yep. So she then she sent it out to a couple different companies. Of the 15 letters she wrote, five won and answered, nine brought rejections, and the last was a positive response. So really... She got 
rejected by many, many different people who are mm-hmm. probably now kicking themselves because they would have gotten a lot of money had a they lot. published this book. Yeah. By November, she had signed a $750,000 three-book deal with Little Brown and Company. And she ended up writing four books, Twilight, New Moon, Eclipse, and Breaking Dawn. And the stories of these books, in the general flow, is we have Bella Swan. Mm-hmm. She's our protagonist Isab- in the book. Isabella is her full Isabella. Name. She comes to a new high school to live with her single dad in Forks, Washington. Which is a real city. Yes. And now a tourist destination. Originally, the book, I guess, was supposed to be called Forks, but they're like, hmm. No, I'm, I'm glad it wasn't. Try again. Yeah. Twilight works better. Much like it has better. the more iconic. Yeah. I heard they were going to call it like they, actually, they were going to do it based on spoons and call it Spoon Man. <laughs> but they couldn't get the rights to I want to sparkle you sparkle, right now. Sparkle no, that for was a just bad, a bad joke. Dad joke. It was just a, bad, was just joke. a bad joke. That doesn't get a sparkle. <laughs> You're out of order We now. just need like a general term for that. For but you. so Bella comes to this new high school. She's the new kid in class. And immediately, the vampire, Edward Cullen, falls in love with her, desires her, the almost to the point where he is turned year old Edward Cullen. Yeah, 104, 109, yeah, something in there. He, yeah, 104-year-old he in desires love with a her. teenager. A lot happens, but they eventually start a relationship. She would like to be a vampire, but he makes her wait. And then it kind of continues and you meet more vampires and a royal vampire family. And a lot of drama happens. And there's also a love triangle. We are going to be spoiling some aspects of the Twilight series. Oh, we're going to spoil a whole bunch. Just we're letting you know ahead of time right now. More or less spoiler free. Yeah. So ladies ladies and gentlemen of the listener, Stephanie Meyer gets a lot of hate. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is crazy, right? She is a creator. She was a mother of three. She wrote a wish fulfillment book. She set a goal. I'm going to write a book. And she did it. Mm-hmm. Like she how wrote many, a book. That is a fact. How many of us have just been like, oh, I want to write a book? We never do. I actually right? give the one thing I can say positive. I'll, say, I'll try to say more. But the one thing I can honestly say positive is that she wrote down her book. She got her book published. Yes. She made money off it. She was a success. Like, how could someone be hated for I accomplishing? Did, I, haven't. I haven't done that. Yeah. Right. She should not be hated for accomplishing something that she did and then in spades by selling, and we'll get to the exact numbers, but over 100 million novels. Wow. That's insane. For someone that had never had writing experience, we can mock you the can co- the kind of quality, and we may at some point, maybe in a rant, but I don't think the backlash is deserved. She hasn't done enough wrong to deserve the kind of hate that she gets for a full decade. And, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, she's nowhere near as bad as J.K. Rowling. How dare you? Sustain, oh. Sustained all how, the way. Oh. Have you read oh. Twitter in the past five years? Well, I'm talking about books. I'm not talking about personality. I'm talking about personality. Oh, I'm talking about books. She, no. yeah. has, she wrote her Twilight novel and said, there you go. She's had other things she's tried to write, but like Midnight Sun, for example, which is a retelling of Twilight from Edward's point of view. Yes. That's original. But she was going to release it and then it got leaked. And so then she was like, fine, I'm right. going to take my ball. I'm going to go elsewhere. You don't get that. Yeah. But or, apparently they just released that in that it's going to be released in August of what? this year, 2020. They're going to release. Midnight and Sun. it's going to do amazing sales. You think for books again? Oh, absolutely. I don't know. I think I think that the passion for Twilight has passed. And I think it's been long enough. It'll be nostalgic and it'll do amazingly well. Yes. Oh, you guys are agreeing again? Wow, it's so <laughs> we're such an be, odd coincidence. Joel, we're being positive right now. Such okay? an odd coincidence. You guys are agreeing. <laughs> we should all agree here. Because there are good things, and there is not when you're bashing on J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter series. How dare you? I'm bashing on her series. You're saying saying that Harry Potter is worse than Twilight. Is that what you're saying? Oh, sparkle, sparkle, right? No, is that what you're saying? No, sparkle, sparkle, Kent. (laughs) That was a trap. I'm saying Harry Potter would be much better if she would just stop tweeting. Leave it alone. So yeah, Stephanie Meyer accomplished something she set out to, and 
was incredibly successful. She does avoid the use of passive voice, which is a, a big trigger for those types of English majors. Sparkle, sparkle. That, no, that's, that's literally a fact. It's, back, it's backhanded. No, I'm saying that she, that's, a, that's a thing she does. And then she also opens her sentence with the most important information is what it says here. <laughs> do, you, do you have an example or is this a backhanded compliment? I'm reading that her writing style, she focuses on sensory, Bella's sensory experiences. Mm-hmm. So for an untrained writer, changing the format a little bit based on stuff she, she, she may not know, that's it's a seems book, fine. It's a book that an English major would write because they've been taught, don't use passive voice, get the most important information out there, describe it mm-hmm. uh, so people can understand it. Right. That's what I'm saying. You're an English major, right? I am, but I'm not that type of English major. And I, I don't mean I don't mean like Stefan Meyer. Like, so no romance novels in your future. Is that what you're well, saying? I've written several, but they haven't been <laughs> picked up. No one really cares. Dang it. No, <laughs> no one really cares about G.I. Joe romance novels. <laughs> but no, like what, what I was going to say is I'm not that type of English major that's like the very, very keen on grammar rules and, and uh, writing theory and things like that. I was, in, I was in the creative writing branch. And so it was much more kind of just, you know, get stuff out there, get ideas out there. I'm an idea man. And I've never really put pen to paper on a full novel, like I said. Okay, so I do want to full on go into defense mode. We talked okay. about Stephanie Meyer right now. Oh, can I talk a little about how the, the films came to be? Oh, absolutely. So, uh, I, well, just about the films in general, honestly, because like I said, they, they, the books started picking up steam and they, they started saying, okay, we're going to make this into a movie. So actually Paramount MTV Films, uh, they, optioned the Twilight, they optioned Twilight before the book was actually published. Really? But How did they know it would be so big? They kind of did an Artemis Fowl type thing where they just kind of said, well, we got the names and general ideas. Let's just kind of... Is it because Harry Potter was so successful? They're like, oh, this could be good. This could be the next big YA thing. Okay. So they, they changed... They were they, the script deviated greatly from what the novel was. Like, uh, for example, the script transformed Bella into a star athlete rather than whatever she was. You mean they'd have a, a reason person. to like her? No. Sparkle, sparkle, sparkle. sparkle, Zach. sparkle. Uh, but then Summit Films came along and he, he made a deal with Meyer saying that we will stick to the novel, including that, quote, no vampire character would be depicted with canine or incisor teeth longer or more pronounced than may be found in human beings. That okay. was part of the deal they made. Mm-hmm. And so then in 2007, the rights were sold to Summit Entertainment. Uh, Catherine Hardwick directed the first, was chosen to direct the first film. And uh, Melissa Rosenberg wrote the new script. Hardwick suggested the use of voiceover to convey the protagonist's internal dialogue since the novel is told from Bella's point of view. So Catherine Hardwick invented narration in movies. Sparkle, sparkle? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But which... (laughs) Joel? But then they said, okay, let's get our actors. So then uh, Kristen Stewart, who plays Bella, she was on the set of Adventureland when uh, Hardwick went to visit her for a little screen test and they, they hit it off. And then she wasn't going to choose Robert Pattinson, but then they had an audition together at actually at uh, either Hardwick's or uh, Stephanie Meyer's house. Mm-hmm. And they were impressed with the chemistry between the two leads. <laughs> and spark, sparkle, sparkle. I didn't sparkle. say Who anything. eventually started dating. And yes, I there were some struggles there, but they did find chemistry. But originally, and they enough were going, to actually date for years. The original casting idea was actually Emily Browning and Henry Cavill. Can't. Henry Cavill could have been Edward Cullen. Kent, I'm going to sparkle, sparkle myself. No, right you can't, no, no, you can't sparkle, sparkle. You can't pre-sparkle, I'm, I'm sparkle. I'm glad it wasn't Henry Cavill. I'll just say that. Yeah. 
That's fair. I feel I, that's okay. That was at a time when he was looking to be in any franchise. Like mm-hmm. I think he tried out for a young Bond. Obviously, yeah. Batman in Nolan's uh, trilogy. Uh, mm-hmm. super, Superman in Superman Returns. Yes. Yeah. And so he was trying to go for anything big. So yeah. yeah. But the interesting thing is, is that each novel adaptation was headed by a different director. Meaning mm-hmm. Twilight, uh, New Moon. Eclipse and Breaking Dawn all had different directors because they, they said they wanted to have a different atmosphere in well, each one. It's so interesting that Twilight is an indie movie. The way it is filmed yeah. Yeah. by Catherine Hardwick, it probably wasn't filmed for very much. Like they didn't have the budget of even its sequel. No, $38 million, I think, for the first one. Yeah. And you can tell like there's a blue filter on there and it's a choice. Like mm. it's not the best choice, honestly. Like and that's sparkle, no sparkle, sparkle, sparkle. No, no, it's just it's interesting. It, it's, yeah. She does stand by it. You, Look, if you're a defense attorney and you said this was a poor no, choice, I'm saying that gets a sparkle, sparkle. It's a choice, but it does convey that the pastiness of pretty much everyone in Forks, Washington, especially the vampires. It does feel like an indie movie that succeeded so well. Well, that so it the, became a this budget, phenomenon. A budget of 37 million and it made 393 million. Insane. Wow. And the ratio continues as the budget grows, too. It does. But if you look at that first movie, which is interesting, it does have a very distinct style. It is by far different from the following movies yes. as far as the look, but it's it feels so, I don't know, maybe correct and connected with it that when you think about Twilight, you're probably looking at it more through how it looks in the first movie than any others. Right. Yeah. Where it's almost uncomfortable to watch when you see the vampires yeah. because they are so pasty, but that's also intentional there. Right. Well, so I, I was going to mention that as the movies progressed, Chris White's directed New Moon, and it actually broke the record for highest single-day domestic gross on opening day, which had previously, previously been set by Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. It beat Harry Potter. Wow. And that one had a really good ad campaign, too, because they it were in, unveiling the werewolves. Yeah. And then uh, the David ads. Slade did Eclipse, <laughs> and according to The Guardian, they reported that it was the best film of the series according to the critical cons- consensus for being more, quote, cinematic. And it does, there's literal quotes here. I'm not, I'm not putting air quotes around it. Yes. It says, cinematic and striking a better balance between romance and supernatural. And the eclipse was also the first Twilight released in IMAX because you want to see Jacob's abs in IMAX. I mean, yeah. That's abs, not a sparkle sparkle. That is no, not. That's real. That's those a true statement. You're still reading facts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there you go. Kind of just the overall of kind of the films. But Ken, what would you like to talk about? Well, uh, just before we get to that, the budget, the budget to gross ratio on these is like... For the first couple movies, especially, you know, it made ten times its budget. It's yeah. you know, you'd go fifty million dollars and yeah. it's making five hundred. Or you know, it, yeah. it's the really the um, summit just cleaned up with. I'm, we can, and we'll get into that a little more when we get into commercial success. Yeah, when I talk about sure. that. But I tell you what, these these made bank. Yeah, they really did. The I mean, movies did, and the books did great too. So whether it's back when that movie was released or even now, everyone hates it. Yeah. People still hate these movies. Why? Because they're popular. If they weren't as popular, if they didn't last... Hey, Pot, why don't you call the kettle black again? Still, I'll, I'll own it. I'll own it. Because mm-hmm. I've hated these movies in the past. Well, right? there's, there's an inherent Because if they just disappear... I've hated my client in the past, Your Honor. It's, it's true. <laughs> but I still have integrity to defend them. Right? Integrity, I'm going to be a good attorney. Integrity. Yeah, I'm integrity. Sure you said RIPR integrity on the Michael Bay show. That's true. But then I learned to kind of really like him. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen here, Sparkle Sparkle, but we'll see. But... We've got to look at why we hate these. Do we hate them because we think they're like lower class movies? It's poor quality. Sure. But these movies were not targeted to us. No. These were targeted to teen girls. They were marketed teen girls. They were loved by teen girls. And because of all that, it became accepted knowledge that all correct thinking people 
could only despise it and revile it because it wasn't for us. So instead of like mocking these movies and books because teen girls like them, let's take a minute to think why they like them, right? Like we look at movies like Fast and the Furious and those movies are marketed toward teen boys, I would say. Okay. They're big, loud, and dumb. And we watch those movies and we say, that was so dumb. Oh my gosh, what a fun ride because it's so dumb and it owns it. At this point, yes. The number one comment that I feel anybody makes regarding a Fast and the Furious movie is, it knows what it is. That is always seen as a compliment. And guess what? Twilight knows what it is. Exactly. I I I completely agree. And so no one can say, oh, Fast and Furious is on this pedestal, whereas Twilight is knocked down anytime it's mentioned. I feel like they are on the same exact pedestal. It may not be our type of movie because me... I like serious dramas that make you kind of question yourself and maybe cry a little bit. Whoa, whoa. Are you saying when they're kicking torpedoes in Antarctica <laughs> and Fast and the Furious, that's not serious drama? It's basically Jacob ripping, ripping his shirt off. I, basically. Yes. Well, but, no, but one is love. That is a good One comparison. is love for that. No, no. I, I, I actually think that, that they're both financially successful. Yes. And they both have their audience. But, but we may not reviled. understand. The people that revile them may not understand what, who it's marketed to. Mm-hmm. And so it does what it needs to do. Like it gives teen girls, and this is the why they may may like it. I'm not a teen girl, you know? Uh, so anyone, teen girls? Are you? Really? Teen listener, tell us <laughs> maybe why you like these movies at this time. But it gives them a vehicle through which their character can relate. And it allows young women to internalize relationships, many different versions of relationships, in a way that seems safe to them. Because there's a lot of safety in regards to the even intimacy of these there movies. Is. In fact, I was reading up that uh, there is no drinking, smoking, or explicit sex scenes in any of the novels. Yes. And her characters, for the most part, abide by a moral code. Yeah. In fact, Meyer once said, I don't, she said she avoided these things like provocative scenes and drugs and harsh swearing because she said, I don't think teens need to read about that. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think teens need that. And I actually respect her more for that. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm writing this for teens. I'm not going to put stuff in there that I wouldn't feel comfortable right. talking to a teen about. Actually, there are some good messages. I mean, I'll wait for the rant, actually. Uh, <laughs> but, Zach, you mentioned how maybe it'd be good if she'd be a sports star. And that's the thing. I actually do respect the Bella Swan gets made fun of for being plain, but I think it's more of a of a of an avatar as, as it were for so many yes. people. So her lack Don't of bring up avatar. Her lack of characterization is deliberate. Like I truly believe that she's meant to be an anchor point, whether it's women. So maybe even some wives, because truth be told, Twihards, we kind of think of angry moms yeah, and mm-hmm. very passionate moms. Mm-hmm. But people could put themselves in the shoes of Bella because she was an every woman. She's, she's a Rorschach. In fact, can I now give my theory, which is probably out there somewhere, but I call it the Lois Lane slash Bella Swan complex. <clears throat> you guys ready? Sure. I put a lot. I put Joel research. Is this Amy this Adams show. or is it Lois Lane? Because they're two different people. Margot Kidder. This is a, they're the same person. It's Margot Kidder. It's Amy Adams. It's Lois Lane. It's the character Lois Lane. So it's you have a character like Superman or Edward. He's written as inhumanly beautiful. He's mysterious, powerful, rich, strong, secure, and even musically talented. But the kicker is he barely. Superman, Superman's musically talented. No, I'm saying Edward is in this case. But yeah, maybe Superman too. He kicked a piano. He plays the trombone very well. So Edward barely exists outside his all-consuming love for Bella. Bella is ordinary in every sense. She's written as a blank slate that nearly anyone could relate to and put themselves in her sparkle, shoes. Like I sparkle? said, no, this no, is that's, no, that's, that's true. Written. So when you have someone with godlike abilities that falls for a mortal, 
but doesn't want her to change a thing about who she is and considers her immediately perfect, even to the point where the world stops when she speaks. So you have Superman willing to change for Lois, willing to spin back the world for Lois. You have Edward. But he's got a life outside of his all-consuming love for Lois. Yes, but if she screams, if she needs help at any point, if she asks for his help, he will fly right to her. Well, in Batman v Superman, yeah. In every single context of Superman What do you mean a life outside of Lois? Like his job with Lois? No, I mean like living with Lois? Or hiding his identity from Lois. But yes, that is the Bella Swan complex. It is craving a relationship with someone that is godlike and you're just you and they're not asking you to change hmm. we're ready for a rant can we explode just a little bit all okay. right so what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next couple minutes uh just releasing some tension here and then just letting Joel minutes? get some words out we're going to about let's do about about two minutes, two minutes. if the thoughts are compelling i'll okay. allow it longer and go but the problem is, Superman is not abusive to Lois. This is not an abusive relationship, Ken. Because I'll tell you what, Bella Swan and Edward, he is abusive. Emotionally and physically. Edward spends almost the entire franchise telling her why she's awful and she needs to love him for it. What? Ed, he's 104 years old, Ken. How are you Ken, he's 104 it's years creepy. old. It's creepy. It's super creepy. <laughs> and for two movies and for two books, he tells her everything she needs to do. He literally, Ken, stalks why over her when me? he sleeps. Dude, it's real rampant. Because here. you're the defense attorney here. <laughs> you're the one who loves I'm Twilight. The one, I'm the only one following You're the one the who loves Twilight more than Harry Potter, Ken. Okay. Which no, is I'm... so much better. Harry Potter is so much better written. Like, she has a... Jackie well, Rowling has duh. a much better grasp of the English language and how to tell a story than, than Stephanie Meyer ever would Obviously. Has. Oh. It just tells me that Stephanie Meyer is probably milk toast boring girl too, because that's all she knows how to write. Well, that's just it. Ugh. She wanted to soak into a character. She wanted to soak herself into a creepy teen relationship but with a vampire based on a There are every man and other stories that you can relate to and put yourself in their place, even though they have nothing to do with you, but they have a personality. Bella Swan is just like a self-checkout at a grocery store. They're making you do the work. I don't want to do the work. I want a character shown to me that's interesting that I can connect to. I don't want to make it up. You're not going to get it in this series. It's I'm just not. so ridiculous to me that people keep putting them as if this, in this relationship up there as if it's like this great relationship. It's 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 like Romeo and Juliet is a terrible relationship. Yes. This is worse. I oh, think. it is worse. Because just, there's no poetry behind it to pull you in. Well, you, she gets a paper cut. He's going he's gonna to kill her. You His basically want them her. to come together because that's what the book told you. These people need to be together. And then you have to wait the whole series, even though you know what's going to happen. And they somehow put Jacob in there. It's like this, oh, it's a love triangle. It Abs. never was a love triangle. Hey, girls, get yourself a guy who's going to be violently obsessed with you because that's all you need. That's, His whole life is you. And well, that is high school love sometimes. Let's and be it honest. shouldn't be. They should not be reading these books. No, you this should never be. take lessons from Twilight. No, this is like how relationships be. It's like, oh, he's gone. I'm going to go jump in a lake. No, <laughs> don't do that. There, you will get over it. Gentlemen, rant break over. Whew. Thank that's you. good. Thank you, Zach. Yep. Got you feeling better? I'm feeling better. Okay. Okay. I, I feel better. So I do want to talk about a little more about the audience, uh, how they were able to kind of obviously find an audience. Yes. Uh, the Twilight series has sold over 100 million copies with translations in over 38 different languages. Wow. This is not just uh, Twihards here in Utah. No. This is a worldwide it's phenomenon. It's not moms at movie screenings, you know. Which is just weird to think about that there's like 37 different languages that are reading these words. This is, it's now a universal story yeah. at this point. I also uh, found it interesting that even though this the, these are very, uh, I don't want to say clean, but sanitized, uh, it's not, she says they're about love, not lust. Well, you think about like Anne Rice, 
Yes. And those are very lustful stories. Very much so. And this one is a very cleaned up version of that. And yet this book managed to be one of the kind of the big banned books. People kept trying to ban this book because of its... Well, same thing with Harry Potter as well, right? If there's any sort of Wiccan stuff or yeah. stuff that's paranormal, ban it. Yeah. But I understand because I really do think it, and it's thinly veiled, but the whole, uh, I want you so badly, but I can't because it's wrong. It, I mean, it, it is really thinly veiled chastity talk. But it I mean, is, yes. it's funny to me that this book, and this is a defense, uh, it's more kind of just like the hypocrisy involved here, because this book is both criticized for being not grown up enough, not sexual enough, mm-hmm. and yet it's also challenged as being uh, sexually explicit and age inappropriate. And like yeah. they, they so, get like skirts after the line. Is the, that what they're they saying? get after it for being, you know, this is you know too horrible and and godless. And then it's also, oh, this is too religious and too moral. And I, I just think it's I would almost say that's a good line to walk for any author. That's what I was going to say is she managed to, to pull off a novel where it's like criticized by both sides, which yeah. means it's also accepted by both sides. Yeah. So I don't know. So I was thinking about other young adult adaptations that have, have come to film. And there have only been a few that have been successfully like seen from beginning to end. Yes. Like Harry Don't Potter, bacon bit. Uh, Maze Runner, Hunger Games, and Twilight are the only ones I can think of that have seen completion. Mm-hmm. Because then we have, and by the way... Saw. That was a YA uh, <laughs> franchise. That was a great brain novel, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> great brain versus Encyclopedia oh, Brown. Oh, man. <laughs> Make that movie. <laughs> but look at all these movies. And by the way, every single movie I mention, in my mind is worse than Twilight. Really? Divergent, Percy Jackson, Mortal Instruments, Mortal Engines, Spiderwick Chronicles, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Uh, nah, I'm going to take that one back. Golden Compass. Oh, because of Ava Green. Uh, yeah, I love Ava Green. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful Creatures, Artemis Fowl, The Fifth Wave, Aragon, and Vampire Academy. Yeah. Only saw one movie, did not see near the success of Twilight. No, no. And they all broke the rules, which Twilight doesn't do. In the first movie, Twilight tells a very simple story of meeting a vampire family, playing baseball, and then being attacked by one vampire that wants to eat her, right? Well, it, and then it doesn't get into the whole mythology of the world, which most young adult fiction adaptations fail at. Well, it's not even just the adaptation, the film adaptation. The books spent the books have spent a combined total of more than 235 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. Even in book wow. form, this is a very successful series. In fact, Roger Ebert called the film lush and beautiful. The original? Is, yep. is that the only the positive thing he had to say about it? No, because then in Breaking Dawn Part 2... He said he called the ending sensational. I can talk about that. Um, well, I think what, what I like about this, and I'll, I'll say that why I would agree with you that the Twilight series, I think, does a better job than Hunger Games, is I think it, they get progressively... In the books or in the movies? Both. 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 I, it's better than Hunger Games? I think it's better than the Hunger Games because I think they... Mm-hmm. That sparkle, is, sparkle, Joel. That's diminishing returns. I was just passing a kidney stone. <laughs> it's, it's diminishing returns with, with the Hunger Games. I don't think it gets more interesting. I don't think it gets better. I think that the Twilight well, franchise... Well, start here... It gets progressively better. Start here. Moving from... Especially that those first three, the steps up between Twilight, New Moon, and Eclipse... I think it it gets progressively more enjoyable. Well, she originally, Stephanie Meyer originally was just had a sequel. That's all she was going to do is two books. And then her publisher was like, no, no, break this out into three books. And then she ended up turning out four. I would say, um, and I don't want, this isn't necessarily Sparkle Sparkle, but I do think my brain would have preferred it being a trilogy just because I think we're used to that storytelling. Um, And from a movie standpoint, to make it five movies, I, I... 
I actually, I know this sounds really silly, but I hope in 15 years this movie gets rebooted as a trilogy. Like, just give me I could see three that movies with some overlap in the stories. reboot yeah. of these movies. With Joel, com- why wouldn't they? With Think about how successful they were. With competent actors and a better director? Sparkle, you, sparkle. You want a reboot is sparkle, what you're saying. Sparkle, sparkle. Actually, I, I will tell you exactly what I want later in the show. All right, so you brought up Hunger Games. Yeah. And I do think, like, think about the end of Hunger Games. Like, those books really did peter out. They, they do. Well, and you just, think about, like, Katniss as a character. Bella is actually a very strong character compared to Katniss Everdeen. And I don't want to make too many comparisons. 100%. Katniss does two proactive things in those entire novels. She volunteers, and she tries to kill herself at the end of her Hunger Games. And then she just Games. hangs around. And then she hangs around. She Bella Swan sad. attempts to kill herself in New Moon multiple times. So let's get into that. Bella if you didn't know this, is a proactive protagonist. And this sounds super weird, right? But everything she does is up to her. Yes, we did talk about Edward bossing around and being very controlling, but everything she does, like, for example, even jumping off a cliff, she knows that dangerous acts will bring him back. She manipulates the situation to get what she wants. She also saves his life in that same book and movie, New Moon, to die in his place. She chooses to move to Forks. She dates Edward. She uh, stays friends with Jake. She visits the wolf pack. Everything puts this her life at risk. She insists on being changed. Edward does not want her to change into a vampire, which has kind of a greater theme for marriage as well. In fact, he makes a deal that says, I will not change you until you marry me. And she's like, no, make me a vampire right now. She has her baby in Breaking Dawn part one and two. Well, Edward couldn't have a baby. It's physiologically impossible. Well, it was supposed to be physiologically impossible for her as well. And in fact, the baby was going to kill her. Everyone said, you cannot complete this pregnancy. She made sure it was completed. Everything she does is her choice and the characters change around her. In fact, finally in Eclipse, Edward does kind of come around because he's been very controlling, as we said in our rant. And he says in quotes, or I'll say it like him. I've clung to this idiotic sparkle, obstinacy. Sparkle. Oh. I've clung with idiotic <laughs> obstinacy to my idea of what's best for you, though it's only hurt you. I don't trust myself anymore. You can have happiness your way. My way is always wrong. And from that point on, he stops making choices for Bella and realizes that her choices have been right all along. And it's actually a character arc for him because he is watching her sleep. Okay. Yeah. It seems a bit silly. And sparkle, sparkle, obsessive, sparkle, sparkle. It's a fact. It it seems right. And then they make out like right after sparkle, sparkle. (laughs) But then it changes to where she truly is the one with the power in the relationship. And she is telling him what to do. And I I, I think that little contract they have uh, as a couple, the power is in her hands. And so I do. I I think there's so much proactive strength for her as a character. (laughs) <laughs> All right, you disagree? Joel is just uh, Joel's just keeping his mouth just shut soaking, right now. Uh, I'm soaking the information in, Kent. <laughs> Soak just it soaking. in. Do you want to give some facts, Joel? Just yes, to, I'll give some respond. facts. So uh, just talking about the success, the commercial success of these novels. Stephanie Meyer was the best-selling author of 2008 and 2009 in the U.S. She was included in the Forbes Celebrity List, uh, 100 list of the world's most powerful celebrities in 2009. Her annual earnings exceeded $50 million. And as we talked about the budget before, and then the the movies had basically a combined budget of about four hundred million dollars, but they made worldwide over three, $3 billion. dollars. Wow! This something in the movies appealed to audiences to the point where people were this wasn't one time viewing. People were right. going back to watch these movies again and again and again. 
Well, I do think it's it's commercial fiction, right? It's more about marketability than than quality at times. Mm-hmm. And so these things are produced f- to be consumed multiple times. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, well and, and uh, I was I was reading something about the pay for the actors, at least for Robert Pattinson. I think for the first movie, after I th- it was a big hit, I think he ended up making about two and a half million dollars for that first movie. Wow! Because it did so well. And then for, for sitting there, I had the- <laughs> sparkle, sparkle, sparkle. Sorry. <laughs> I, I believe I read for uh, Breaking Dawn Part One and Two, he pulled in about twenty-five million because they more or less, they they filmed it essentially as one and then just released right. it as he, two movies. He became an A-lister. Yeah, he he his salary increased ten times during that because he was hot stuff. Mm. Let me jump back to uh, Bella real quick. So yes. I, I want to talk about some more of her strengths because I Please don't do. know if I've convinced Joel on this one. You, you who's definitely supposed to be defending Bella. You, you definitely have him somewhere close to, to anger. Something. Joel, you're on my you're on my team here. We're on the we're the on council. the same team. Okay. So <laughs> by the way, Kent, speaking of the same team, before you jump, but I actually did have a point. I wanted. Yeah. To, I was winding up for this. Uh, so we talked about multiple seeing it multiple times. Yes. That's not just it though, because New Moon grossed seventy two point seven million dollars on its opening day domestically, just one day, becoming the biggest single day opening in domestic history, beating The Dark Knight at sixty seven point two million. Oh, what? New what? Moon. Open a break like that was it broke the record for single day opening domestically. Good job, New Moon. <laughs> sparkle, sparkle. <laughs> <laughs> you did that on purpose. I did because that's what I was winding up to. I wanted to get to that point. Okay, now so, talk okay. about Eddie. So you're talking for, about for Bella. I talked about how yeah. proactive she was, right. but I want to talk about like the usage of her in the story. Like she is important. She's not just this blank anchor point. Mm. No vampire's powers work on Bella. Even the Volturi can't affect her. And by the way, they are introduced in New Moon, kind of to expand the mythology. It's a royal family in Italy, mm-hmm. and they're very dangerous. Even they can't affect her, and the leader, Aro, is fascinated by her. Bella brings, like, initially in these books and movies, drama and strife. But without her, there would be no actual truce. There would always be constant battling. She is actually the one to bring the Quiludi tribe and the vampires together, right? They would always be yes. eternal enemies, and she even humbled Volturi and proved that vampires around the world should not fear them as they do. And we did mention in the rant, the love triangle. There really is no love triangle. And this is actually an example of good storytelling and forth, by Stephanie Meyer. Because it wasn't like these books and movies where the character doesn't say what they actually feel. She says in the second movie and book. She does. She says, Jacob, I love him. It will always be him. She says, well, she tells him, don't make me pick because it'll be him. All right. Mr. Isn't that crazy, though? Of summer. Isn't that, that that's, crazy? That's your, that's, your, that's your MO right there. It will. Sure it is. But there's no secret there. There's no, even in Harry Potter, they keep a mystery and they keep a secret all movie or all book long, and it causes trouble. I think this is a way to even prevent the audience from going, okay, we don't really believe this love triangle. She tells you right out, it's always going to be Edward. I think that's very good for a character. I think it's good writing. <laughs> sparkle, sparkle. <laughs> there was a little sarcasm. A little bit. A little yeah, bit. I heard, I heard that in there. I, I think I need another rant break. Can I have another rant break? Uh, uh, another rant break approved starting two minutes. Starting now. Okay. So first of all, if they did not, like, I, I agree. She says right at the beginning, hey, it's always going to be Edward. Then why do we spend the entire novel of Eclipse wondering 
It's like she kisses him in that one and she leads him on. She's a complete jerk, Ken. She's a jerk. Why would anyone like her? She is a jerk. She's yeah. really mean. And also, I, I she even says, I love you in, yeah. that, in that same just one. Just to mess with him. Just to mess with him. I think it's because she wanted to stay in the sleeping bag with him. I'll get to that. <laughs> hey, boys, you want to build some dirt so bags? Then it also can't. It's one of the things where, like, she's this blank slate that everyone loves. Why would she they? She literally does nothing in school. Everyone's like, you're so cool. And why? Anna Kendrick's right there. And then she becomes a vampire <laughs> and she becomes the best vampire ever with all the powers. Yeah, even though newborns are supposed to be, like, really just unruly, she immediately has control. New, newborns meaning new vampires. Yeah, new vampires. Uh, and then the acting, Kent. Like, when you were reading as Edward, that was spot on. It's this whole time talking like this. The okay, time, the teen the acting time. in this is so obnoxious. It's and the, terrible. The, the pauses between every single line. Yeah. yeah. I could edit this down to a 15-minute movie the way that I pause. Would we say that this is very close to the books, and I mean that as a slight, as far as, like, the story and dialogue goes? Because they narrate it the pulled, entire time. Was it pulled right from the book, or was it changed a little bit? I think it's pulled right from the book. It feels exactly Although right. I don't think the what from Bella. You're wasting time in the rant. That I wasted time with the movie. Because so. Bella does that in every sentence. She's like, what, 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 what? And it drives okay, me nuts. Is that a Kristen Stewart thing, though? It might be. It, no, it's a direction thing because it's happening with everybody in the first movie. And when they switch directors, thankfully, it does start to go away. Okay. I oh. do feel like, oh, no. Oh, we're not done with the rant. No, never mind. Never no, mind. Harry Potter had 10 years, seven books in 10 years. Your audience that started reading it at the age of eight were 18 yeah. by the end of it. This one was four books in three years. Yeah, you got to so catch them out while from it's big. The eight-year-olds were now eleven-year-olds reading about vampire honeymoons. Why are eight-year-olds reading this book? I don't know. <laughs> it's a little bit but naughty they were. eight-year-olds. By the way, we talked about this real quick. It is a little dirty. Uh, when I read the books, everything Stephanie Meyer describes. You know, she uses like very soft core words to do so. You can tell she wants to go further. Gross. You can tell. Literally. Family friendly, sparkle, sparkle. Nope. Uh, we're not there yet. Oh, right. She does. The whole thing is just, it, it's just censored. Sessanudity. And this movie beat the Dark Knight in the opening. New Moon. Okay. New Moon, the sequel to Twilight. Not, beat the sequel to Batman Begins. Not in total. Not in total. But so domestically opening day. Still, that's okay. No, right, it's not. It All right, it's bring not. it down. Bring it down. Okay. Whew. Time up. Ooh, yep. Dang it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shake it out. Shake it out. Okay. So we talked about Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson briefly, because I don't know if these rants exist in real time. I don't know if they're actually happening. In I think they're an alternate universe. <laughs> okay. Otherwise, our defense would be shot. But it did, even with Kristen Stewart. And this is not, this is more against Kristen Stewart than it is. Sparkle, sparkle. Okay. But it did lead her to, to be seen as a better actress after this. Like it launched careers for oh, both man, of Zathura these. Zathura did it for me. It was oh Zathura when she was no when, for me I yeah when which she was happened frozen like for, three years when before she was frozen this. for most movie <laughs> oh that performance yeah sparkle sparkle no I, I was talking about Zathura I can but, bash on Zathura but she was critically she loved. she was also frozen in Twilight for most of the movie she is <laughs> sparkle sparkle <laughs> she is critically loved in On the Road Adventureland Camp X Ray and Personal Shopper Robert Pattinson though let's talk about him this is a guy who when I watched the series I said why would anyone find him attractive like or even think he's something to pursue he does he's not a very good actor. But what has become of him since then? Uh, we have a lot of weird indies because he he div diverted from the mainstream so much. He did The Rover, Good Time, which is a fantastic movie, High Life, The Lighthouse, oh, Lost City of Z. And now he's going to be in Tenet, which comes out in a month, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And he's going to be the next Batman. Like what 
kind of trajectory is he that? was Batman in Twilight. Get it? Because he is a vampire. That's not in the lore, Joel. Another dad joke. <laughs> There's no dad joke warning. But that is a great trajectory for him. That is near Christian Bell levels. But it's not honestly, like he was he did Harry Potter before he did Twilight. Yes, he, he was yeah. Cedric Diggory. I wonder how he was discovered for that because he was probably picked for Twilight after. I assume so. That yeah. role, right? They saw how lifeless he could be. No, he was very good in that. Too soon. That's Cedric Diggory. <laughs> dad jokes. I think he's really even in that small part in Harry Potter. He found a way to be. You cared when he actually did die. He was everything that that role needed for that movie. I think he did a fantastic job. I I had a friend of mine ask me years ago when Twilight was kind of the the hot thing in theaters. And he said, you know how Leonardo DiCaprio was kind of the pretty boy in Titanic? Everyone hated him. And everyone was like, yeah, you know, whatever. But then he ended up becoming a a serious actor. And he said, do you foresee a time when this will happen to Robert Pattinson? And I said, no, because I thought that his Titanic was one movie and Leonardo DiCaprio had other bodies of work happening around you it. You thought the range would be I, I thought I thought he was locked into the role of Edward for so many years, uh, the years it was being released, and I felt that it was going to be detrimental to him. However, I do see his career path on the up and up now. He's doing different things. He's separating himself from that. He is actually amazing in several movies. And it's weird to say. Like, first couple real movies I saw him in, a nice... Mm, Sparkle, sparkle. Sparkle, sparkle. You can't preemptively sparkle, sparkle. (laughs) But I was so impressed that Edward from Twilight was in a performance like this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he's only getting better, which makes me excited for the Batman. So do you feel... This is a legitimate question. Do you feel that it was his... The the material he was given and the direction he was given rather than his performance that may have caused people to dislike him in Twilight? Both. I think he was untrained and maybe apathetic because he is a... He's a weird cat. He is pathetic. Apathetic? Did you say apathetic? Sparkle, sparkle. I was, just, I was clarifying what you said. <laughs> nope. <Mm-mm. laughs> but you can't spell apathetic without pathetic. It's true. But no, I think he Spark, was sparkle. He was maybe not uh, as trained an actor as he is now. And maybe he, he didn't really care about the source material. There, I, di- I did see a, s- a story from him. It was like an interview that he almost got fired from the set of Twilight because he was being too dark and too brooding. He was making like choices. a vampire. Yeah, he was making choices that the producers. But didn't truth be told, of. this is a different kind of vampire. Yeah, like it's not the one we know. It's not Bram Stoker's. This mm-hmm. is a Cullen. This is mm-hmm. these are vegetarian vampires who aren't supposed to kill people. Right. So he took it in a different direction. I for a long time I have said my favorite thing ab- about Robert Pattinson is that nobody hates the Twilight movies more than him, because he went out and he made. His sparkle, sparkle, that is, that is uh, yeah. yeah, but what, but what's interesting is, you know, I thought, oh, well, you know, he hates those two. And so what happened is um, he went out, he made these movies that made him a, a movie star. He can do whatever he wants. I mean, Dan Radcliffe and Harry Potter did the exact same thing. He makes all this weird, bizarre you stuff. You call him Dan Radcliffe? Really? We're, we're buddies. Uh, wow. One syllable basis <laughs> yeah. here? Oh, yeah. We, we go way back. By the way, his trajectory down but it's since harry potter but but he's doing whatever he wants because he was harry freaking potter yeah and that's the but same thing with Robert Pattinson. harry potter he can problem. do whatever he wants he's like he webster twilight. he can't shake that role whereas i think robert pattinson has easily Comple- shaken that I role. completely agree but I would here's agree the that. thing uh, even with the with the perspective of watching these movies knowing that guy is going to be bruce wayne that guy's going to be batman even his performance in twilight made sense to me I was watching him as Edward thinking that is a really good tortured Bruce Wayne. Well, that and he's seven. He's meant to be 17. Yes, exactly. he's 109 or whatever, but he is meant to be. They're both meant to be teenagers. Yeah. Something that even well, when he's I was old, she's a teenager. I watched this. Well, he but he's meant to play this 
overbearing teenage in a teenager in a relationship. Yeah, sparkle, sparkle. No, I'm okay. stating fact. He's old. She's a teenager. That is a fact. That's true. But the love they have is very reminiscent of, well, not the best role models for uh, high school relationships, but of high school relationships Romeo where you were so you're so mm-hmm. overbearing with love. And like your world will end. You really do feel like in those romances of high school, you, this is, you know, this is true love, obviously, because we're, you know, freshmen or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I, I was in a, a very overly passionate high school relationship that felt like the beginning and ending of the entire world. So I can relate to that. I tried dating silly, in high school. That would have been nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you do. You get all consumed. And I feel like Stephanie Meyer was able to capture that feeling. Yeah. Because it resonated with so many teen readers and right, like moms like, who were teen, teens. Yes. Hey, audience, here's exactly what you want. Do you remember that feeling of all-consuming love that you had in high school? Here's what it, here's what yeah, it reads like. Precisely. So I do want to talk about the strengths of the soundtracks. Please um, do. Please, we have to talk about the music. Each of these soundtracks are actually, and I'm, they're better than the movies themselves. Like, mm-hmm. but we could say that we could say that's that, that's not the slam. We could say that about a lot of movies. Like Stephanie Meyer is a big fan like of Last of the Mohicans. She's a fan of the same kind of music <laughs> I am. Like yeah. she like she was inspired by Muse. Like I've loved Muse since two thousand two. Yeah, and I think she was she actually, as well. So apparently, uh, she Meyer uh, cites music as a prominent influence of her writing, and she posts playlists on her website of songs which specifically inspired her books. Uh, bands included are Muse, Blue October, My Chemical Romance, Coldplay, and Linkin Park. I would listen yeah. to that playlist. I would too. She yeah. has very good taste in music, and these bands sign on to do the soundtracks. Like Paramore does two songs in the first soundtrack, which debuted at number one Linkin Park, Collective Soul, Iron and Wine, Radiohead. Then we have bands like Death Cab, The Killers, Bon Iver. Come on, skid along. OK Go, Metric. Muse is all over the place again. Sia, Florence and the Machine. I feel like I heard a Black Keys song in there Black somewhere. Keys as well. Ellie Goulding, Green Day, and St. Vincent. I mean, yeah. these soundtracks really are, I think, in a time when soundtracks kind of died. Uh, they are they are iconic. Yeah. Because this is the late 2000s, early 2010s. And they are probably the most well-known soundtracks of that time. I think they, they, in a general sense, do a really good job, too, is uh, pairing up with what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, I'm, I'm a huge Muse fan. And so Supermassive Black Hole playing during that baseball scene. You know, it, it's so... How did that work? It's so memorable to me. Like, it just stands out so much in my brain. Uh, the, another song, uh, it's called I Belong to You, playing while she's thinking about Edward and j- jumping on a, on a motorcycle and all these things. Like, I, I'm connecting with these songs that I know through through what's going on in the scenes and it actually is making sense and it's actually working. Okay, so I want to jump on to fandoms because let's talk about Twihards for a little bit. Like we think of them as like annoying, right? And I think there's a reason for that because they were the first major fan base on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So the Twilight Twitter account was the first account to get a million followers. There were 81,000 tweets a day about the books and movies at that time. Wow. This is way back in the day. And so if you were an early adopter to Twitter, you saw this stuff about Twilight and you're like, shut up. And Twitter. Sparkle, sparkle. No, that's what happened back then. I think it's facts, right? Because it's all you saw. (laughs) But consider what Twitter was back then when it was like, hey, I just had a pancake for breakfast. And consider what Twitter is now. It's absolute poison. And consider what fandoms have become since then. And Twihards are probably near the top of my least offensive list. And here are the ones that are worse. 
Then Twihards. Okay. Yes. Star Wars fans, number one. <laughs> Sustained. K-pop stands. Yes. Marvel fans. Absolutely. DC fans. You're basically just putting every fan under the bus right now. They're all worse. Anime fans. Yes. Whovians. Bronies. Whovians. Uh, um, yes. Anymore, yes. Harry Potter fans. Mm, really? Think about what's happening right now with oh, J.K. Rowling, yeah, okay? okay? And sports fans are more annoying I feel like that's generalization. I don't know if I agree with all those. I'll go equal on sports. I don't know about worse. <laughs> really? Really people that will destroy each other for some people playing a ball game that doesn't affect their life in, in any way? Fair enough. Spark- Whereas Toy Hearts? Wh- why We're is that a about the dumb baseball scene, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Quidditch, actually. Ah. Yeah. Anyways, those, are, those fandoms are actually more annoying than weird moms who are Twy Hearts. <sighs> I will say it does seem like now that it's more or less over, we're kind of removed we're kind of from looking that at time. it now. It was as a fan base very harmless because we're in the thick of a lot of those fan bases you named right now. Yes, where Star Wars fans are battling and and Potter fans are battling and Huvians are battling. They used to be such peaceful folk, right? <laughs> so I feel like you're you're putting the lens on now versus. Then but if if Twihard never actually fans. brought me arguments or examples of people arguing. Twihards would be at the I'm bottom saying, of the list. I'm saying if I brought you back in time when Twilight was in a culmination of movies, you would be they, you would put them at the bottom I of the re- list. No, I remember mocking them, but I don't remember being so entirely annoyed by them. And I have examples of times that they impacted a certain movie scene, mm-hmm. and I was a little bit like mystified at how they could possibly enjoy something like this. But... I can see the reason they do because I'm not in their demographic. Mm. I said that in a way that hopefully I wasn't sparkled, sparkled. Yeah. Uh, you, you danced a line. I, yes. I, I agree with you as far as, especially like you look at Star Wars fans, it's, it's become so the worst, such an internal battle. And that's it's my thing toxic. with it. It's, it's it, toxic in that fans are going after each other about it. I noticed with the Twilight fan base, it was really just, I mean, collectively people were like, I envisioned this character cast differently in my mind. And it's like, that's that's what you got. That's what you're going to rant about. Yes. Okay. And and almost everybody agrees with you, but you're just going to accept it and move on and enjoy your movie. Okay. Cool. Go about your life. Like do your thing. Do we need a rant break before we yes. get there? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. And rant break. Okay, Kent. You mentioned the music in this, and yes, I agree. I agree. The score. You know what they should have used for the score is the Looney Tunes soundtrack. Did you see the running effects? They're ridiculous. (laughs) Them scrambling up trees is ridiculous. The visual sound mixing is a little bit off. The visual, yeah. Well, the visual effects are so disorienting because what are you talking about? The CG baby? That's disorienting. Oh my gosh, this is the weirdest baby ever. The CG in Breaking Dawn Part One is the the worst CG in a movie. How did they get there? There's so much budget in that. It's a hundred and twenty million dollar movie. I don't know. I don't know. But okay. And then you mentioned fans, Kent. I have had many, many bad encounters with Are Twilight you fans. fights with Toy Hearts? Not now, but back in the day, it was like, Go you, on. you say something like, how dare you? How dare you say that? You don't know anything. It's blah, blah, blah. I got people ripping into me because I'd make a joke about Twilight, yeah. an innocent joke. Wow. They were passionately like defending it. they would search it. for the terms and they, then fight? This is in person. This is in person battles yeah. I'd get in with two people. That are Did Twilight. you know a lot of people that really like these books and movies at that yes. time? Yes. Unironically. Yes. Unironically, defending them to the point where they we they stop being my friend. Did your I wife? Did your wife like the series? No, she actually uh, hates okay. the series. But you talked about the music. I want to talk about the score. The score in these movies is atrocious. 
the 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 main theme. Okay, okay. Are you just saying? Are you saying Bella's theme or the entire score? The entire score is Bella's theme is no good. Bella's theme is terrible. The one that keeps playing, they went away for a couple movies and then it came back in like Breaking Dawn two. And I was yes, I was I I I played it before the show and Zach got mad. I am so triggered by that because it's so bad. Alexander Desplat did this music. He's he's amazing. He's done so many good movies. He's he's Wes Anderson's go to guy. Like he's he's done good work. He did terribly with this first movie. Also. Uh, Twihards? They're they're coining Die Hard into the Twilight universe? How dare you, ma'am? How dare you, ma'am? Also, Twilight moms? That's creepy. When you're cr- when you're a forty year old woman crushing on a seventeen year old boy, that's creepy. As creepy as a hundred and four year old man creeping on a high school girl. Is it as creepy as Jacob imprinting on the daughter of his crush when oh she's a my baby? Gosh, what? They try to make that okay. The whole concept of imprinting is ridiculous. You nicknamed her after the Loch Ness monster, Renesme Messy. Like, <laughs> what is that? Kind of like it's so ridiculous. You like it? It's rant time, Zach. Sorry. Yeah. Also, the thing is, like, and then, then you, you just see these, out. You see these battles. Once again, go back to the love triangle. But I remember seeing Team Jacob Beast versus Team Edward, and I'm like. You're, they're fighting at each other, and I'm like, it's obvious she's gonna choose Edward. Even though I think she should have picked Jacob. I think she should have picked Jacob because he was nicer to her. Can we have a rap break? We gotta, we gotta decide if we're on Team Jacob or Team Edward. We're on a rap break right now. No, no, off the rap break. Extended rap break. No, off the rap break. Okay, off the rap break. Is it over? It's over. It's over. No. It, timer did go. Maybe we'll have another one at the end. Okay. Are you really Team Jacob? I think he's uh, the biggest manipulator in the series. I think he is more emotional. I think he's emotionally better for Bella. Mm. He, no, he is better. To her, but yeah. I no, agree. He's not. I agree. He is I think not. He is. You better love me, or I'm gonna run away. That's exactly. Edward. Nope. Nope. In fact, Edward actually leaves because he says, "I'm terrible for you, and I'm going to leave you alone." They both spend a lot of time essentially telling her she's trash. <laughs> they do. Really, what? Edward craves her and says she is the most you know craveable you. being there is, but will not you. drink her blood. Well, but then that's really and respects her enough one. to not make her a vampire yeah. and stays as far away as, she, as he can. In fact, he needs to commit to her to make her a vampire. See, I think he spends the first bigger movie themes. T- he spends the first movie doing the craving thing. I think he spends the subsequent movies wrestling with uh, the, the discrepancies that they have. He's worried he's going to hurt her. Because he, he even says in the movies, after he got a taste of her blood in the, the end of end the first, of the first movie, yes. he never wanted to do it again. So I don't think he really craved her anymore. He instead was moving into, I'm... Yeah, it's gross. They, they talk about <laughs> scent so much. I didn't I honestly didn't know that vampires had such good senses of smell. They talk about scent... Vampire? Floor now. 900 times. But I, I do think uh, as far as relationship goes, like I'm Team Edward. I was always Team yeah, Edward. Yeah, it's Team Edward. It was always Edward. Oh, you guys agree? What? Well, we're but, right. But I, I will agree that they're both there there there's flaws there as far as uh relationships go i think there's a lot of unhealthy things happening i leaned on the side of jacob probably a fair maybe maybe a little less than see, half the i time, feel like but. edward was the project that many women maybe try to form men in a way they want to change them and he did change i don't think jacob has the capacity to change unless it's to, into a werewolf because mm, he just wants to manipulate. I feel like Jacob would be was was the one who would have been better for her in the long run, because he wouldn't have turned her into a vampire. She wanted to be turned into a vampire. Proactive Bella for the win because of Edward's influence. He manipulated her into wanting to become he, a vampire. No, but he, no, he never want. No, watch them again. Reverse Joel. psychology, Kent. 
I don't no, I actually no, Bella, no, Bella, don't be a vampire. No, he said, hey, watch how cool we can play baseball. At the beginning of New Moon, she had a dream where she thought she saw her grandma, but it was her walking hand in hand, and she was old, and he wanted her to die of old age, never to become a vampire, because you are soulless once you become a vampire. Thanks, and Edward. he wanted her to live his her entire life with the beauty and richness of life. How is that manipulative? Like, you're actually wrong on that point. At the end of the day, I think Bella did make her choices she was allowed to make her choices as much as i think that she might not have been treated great along the way she had her her choice and uh she took it and it was made as as she wanted all right so we're gonna move on to best scenes in the twilight saga (laughs) did you guys both do five we did five did you find five wow Sparkle, sparkle sparkle no i wow because uh we were having a conversation joel said it was impossible to find more than one so i'm surprised wait till you see my picks Oh, there. Mm, sparkle, sparkle, all your picks. No. My number five is the claw is in New Moon. Bella is on a date with school kid and Jacob, and she's sitting in the middle, and he tries to pull the claw. Oh, your date my move. My date move on her. And <laughs> double, I was like, it's a double claw scene. I was like, I invented that, and it never worked for me either. I actually got a kind of a good laugh. I'm like, that's really kind of juvenile, and I did the same I thing. I think that scene is very funny. <laughs> and it's like this nasty action movie. Yes. My number five is the pointless baseball, excuse me, the baseball scene in Twilight. Spark Sparkle. Uh, because it makes baseball look inter- interesting. <laughs> Wait, so that's a slide against baseball. <laughs> Sports fans are going to come after you. Uh, but it also features, like, and we mentioned this before, Supermassive Black Hole by Muse. Yes. It's actually, it's an entertaining scene. How does it fit? Well, truthfully, it's my number four. It's the best scene of the movie. We, but we got to go Zach first. Oh, yeah, yeah sorry. Let's get me. Sorry, Zach. So no, you're number five, Zach. I really like the supermassive black hole baseball scene. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So let's just five. talk about that. <laughs> okay. Like it works. We did. Like we talked about it. In a movie that is a little bit slower and more indie feeling, the, all of a sudden they play baseball during a thunderstorm and you're like, what? Where did this change I, of pace come from? I did but not. It works. I, I did not like it as much as I thought I did. I thought of it higher. I wasn't super high on it, but what I really liked about it was actually the character development in it. I liked getting to see this bit of humanity from the vampires. I, and I, I think it was sort of a connecting moment. Uh, they were accepting of They're Bella. They're having fun too. I, I liked that. It showed a, a new side to them. All right, Joel, what's your number four? My number four is actually when Bella saves Edward in New Moon. Uh, and this is a visual pick mm-hmm. because it mm-hmm. really is like the red robes. It's the Feast of St. Marcus. Uh, there's culminating music of her slow motion, her running across the fountain visually and audibly. The scene worked, even if the story's trash, but the visually it hey, works. It stands spark. out in new moon. Yes. It's, it's the scene in new moon. Like right. the rest of the movies, mostly. Spark, spark. Well, it's a very um, slowly paced movie. That's a very slowly paced franchise in general, but it's that like when scene, Harry Potter gets depressed in his whole in movie five, book. Yeah. Yeah. It's Bella depressed. You know, Alice and Bella stealing the yellow Porsche and zipping through Italy and mm-hmm. trying to go after him. That was pretty visually. Exciting. It's, 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 it's good. Yeah. All right. Zach, what's your number four? My number four is it's a cheater, but it's a collective. Anything with Charlie or Carlisle. I just love those guys. Yeah. Peter Facinelli. Peter Facinelli as, as Carlisle. Facinelli as yeah. Carlisle. Uh, Billy Burke as Billy. Charlie. Actually really underutilized. He yeah. was probably the best actor in the series that has... Who's, who, which one? Bella's dad. He, every single scene that he has, I'm like, he can do no wrong. He's, he, he plays this, I don't know about you because I'm a little bit distant father, but I'm going to try my best. Didn't notice that my daughter turned a vampire and that my granddaughter's growing at an alarming pace. And Well, he, was, he didn't know about the granddaughter. He was told something, and this actually relates to my third favorite moment. 
This one is kind of a sparkle, sparkle, but I laughed so hard. You're doing a sparkle, sparkle in favorite scenes, Kent. It, I will give scene, you guys one no, no, the, scene. No, there's many scenes we could do talk about that are bad, but yeah. this one I actually was like, what did they try to do? This was one where I felt like it went full Fast and Furious. So there's a point where Jacob is trying to save the day and make sure they the vampires didn't claim that Bella was dead in Breaking Dawn Part 2 mm-hmm. because otherwise they would have moved. Charlie never would have seen his daughter again. And so he goes to Charlie, who's cutting logs, and he goes, well, I'm going to have to tell him I'm a, I'm a werewolf so that he knows something paranormal is happening and so the Cullens won't take Bella away. So I have, in quotes, the conversation. Jacob starts taking off his jacket and he says, wait, there's something you need to see first. Take, I love this he scene. starts taking off his shirt and it's it's Taylor Lautner taking his shirt off, which, which he does. Props to, to Taylor Lautner. For he almost got they almost recast Jacob for yeah. the second movie, but he bulked up thirty pounds, crazy, to get the role really? of Jacob. Yeah, oh wow! And so he goes, "Here goes nothing." And then Charlie says, "What the heck are you doing?" <laughs> and he goes, "You don't live in the world you think you do, Jacob. Put your clothes on." <laughs> now this may seem strange, and he's taking his pants off at this point. This may seem strange, really strange, but stranger things happen every day. Trust me, the clothes come off. He wolfs out, and I was like. Oh my gosh, this movie knows what it is for the maybe the first time. Yeah. Like I was actually laughing going, this kid just got naked in front of his friend's dad. Mm-hmm. That's weird, but really funny. Yeah. That's my number three. Charlie is the comic relief, if there is one in this movie. He's got a couple of just asides that, uh, that got me every time. Mm-hmm. Joel? My number three is actually the tent scene from Twilight Eclipse. It is the culmination of the love triangle uh, with Edward having to step aside and let Jacob spoon with his girlfriend to keep her from freezing. And it's actually this really kind of intense moment when it's like Bella's going to die in this mm-hmm. freezing cold tent unless Jacob cuddles with her in the sleeping bag. Because vampires are cold, werewolves are warm. And Edward can't do anything to help her in that regard. Right. Even though he can run really fast and probably grab some more blankets. But it's another point. <laughs> but Jacob gets the line, face it, I am hotter than you. <laughs> oh, and he has no shirt on. Of course. In the middle of a blizzard. Does he ever? Because so. they run hot. Yeah. Um, can I give my number two scene? Uh, number sorry, three. my number three, three scene? Yes. Uh, I just wrote bros in the tent. That was <laughs> oh, my scene. Wow. I had the exact same one. Yeah. Um, I actually liked that because it was a bit of a payoff of the Edward versus Jacob tension that you had been seeing to that point, And they realized that they ultimately are on a similar side in caring about Bella. Yep. Yes. All right, my second favorite moment of this series is the eclipse fight between Edward and the redhead. Uh, so Edward and Bryce Dallas Howard at the this point. Brilliantly this. recast. And, uh, and also the newborn battle that's happening between the wolves and the colons and, the, and all the newborns. Like in a series that is almost no action, mm-hmm. all of a sudden in that third movie, they're tearing heads off. And yes, it's like they're like marble Glass, statues yeah. at that point. But they actually tear heads and arms off and werewolves get crunched to death and thrown against trees like it actually it made me wake up and go oh they can direct action in this one Mm -hmm. like that's actually pretty cool so yeah that one really stuck out to me okay Uh, that is an honorable mention for me as well uh for my number two i actually have an audio clip of the scene yes uh so i'd like to play it now it's uh, it's a very i I just want to set up the clip a little bit Uh, i don't want to give it away but it's a very intense scene Uh when these bar these uh sparkle sparkle no 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 this is Two warring parties finally get together and meet, and this is what happens. Ah, young Bella. Immortality becomes you. Ah, 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 
so I love Michael. I love Michael Sheen so Michael much. Michael Sheen just does not this, care. This is a scene when uh, Arrow, uh, one of the leaders of the Volturi, yes. gets to see the half immortal, half mortal Renesme, and this is. His delight at seeing this this being he thought was impossible, yet also he, he's nervous, but he's also cruel and mocking. It's a very nuanced performance by Michael Sheen with that laugh. I like Michael Sheen so much, he should have been Lex Luthor. <laughs> with no. that laugh. No. <laughs> What's your number two, Zach? My number two, I, I call it Vampire Training from Breaking Dawn Part 2. I actually really liked, and I felt a sense of energy from when Bella finally got to be a vampire and and uh this is in the world mild sparkle sparkle but she was finally showing so much emotion and i really felt that even from kristen stewart but watching her just finally be free and alive and her gift is being able to withstand the pitfalls of a newborn they mention it that her her power everyone and, and it's really, gonna be I so like, hard for you to resist blood. No, it's not. No, okay. well, because they're all X Men. This is an X Men. It movie. is an X Men movie. This sparkle, ever, sparkle to both of you. No, this they, half they, of them are good. It's it, <laughs> but really they all have a special power, right? Uh, Edward's fast. Uh, Emmett's strong. One Alice can see, can see the future. Yeah. And Bella has this inner strength. That's her power. I really like the di- dichotomy between how shrunken and just deathly she looks yeah. in breaking down part they did one good visuals there yeah that's like and i think they spent bad. all their money in that part yeah. of that movie that birth scene was oh it's gross and then when jumping all the way to when she's full of life ironically yeah. because she's a vampire and she got point. just quite the glow up and beauty queen hair <laughs> thanks for saying that in the only way you could <laughs> all right my favorite moment your number one is something that happened here's a little personal story so I became a critic in 2011. So I, I caught the last... You've been a critic your whole life. I have been. But the last two movies, I started reviewing semi-professionally. And when I saw this movie, Breaking Dawn Part 2, uh, it was in a theater of, uh, let's say, 400 people. And there's always the critic section, which I've talked about, where there's maybe 30 of us mm-hmm. in a taped-off section. And then it's general public surrounding us. And I knew from reading the books that nothing happens at the end of Breaking Dawn to actually give a climax to the story. There's no grand fight. There's a showdown where they literally face off with the Volturi to save their daughter in the last story. Say her name. Renesme Moonchild. <laughs> but in the book, there is no war. They talk it out. It's diplomacy. And it's so boring. Sparkle, sparkle. Okay. I, ac- I accept that. Well, we're not defending the books. Well, yes, we are. We are. Okay. Thank yeah. you. But then in the sparkle, movie, sparkle you. <laughs> they have the face off. And then all of a sudden, they kill Carlisle. Immediately. Yeah. Rip and his head off I'm and like, burn him. I was like, wait, hold on. This isn't how it happened in the books. And I'm watching this. And I wasn't really thinking about the rest of the audience, who, by the way, were mostly moms. Like I'm saying there's 350 moms in that crowd. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, wait a minute. And then wolves start getting killed. And then more heroes are getting killed. And I'm like, this didn't happen in the books. And oh, my God. Gosh, I love this so much. And it's 10 straight minutes of carnage. And then once again, it's PG, PG-13. Yeah, it's, like, it's very bloodless carnage. Like but, stone but, carnage. No, but there's one part when like someone grabs someone's jaw and opens it yeah. and their Whoa. jaw rips in half. It's, yep. But it's there's like no an, blood because they're glass. Yes. Or marble. And that is my favorite scene. Like I think the carnage they show, I'm like, this is incredible. And then in my mind... While watching this movie, I said, but wait a minute. There's no way they're going to change the end of the book this much. People will freak out. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. And then, boom. One of the biggest fake outs I've ever seen in movie history. It was really R.O. with that laugh. Visualizing what would happen if he continued that fight. Well, Alice putting so that in So at the beginning of the fight. 
And so they took all that beauty away. And I still think the fight scene is awesome. But they took it away. And then it was like I couldn't stop myself. Mm -hmm. And in front of 400 people, and I've said this before, but I went, boo, boo. You booed a movie. And the critics joined me. We had about 30 people (laughs) booing. And then when everyone kind of caught on that it was just a dream, we had nearly 400 women saying, yeah. (laughs) Yay! And I will never forget being overwhelmed by the yays because none of the heroes were killed. Just their absolute joy. I thought, but why wouldn't you want that action scene? Why would? And I didn't understand at the time. I guess I kind of do now. But man, I'll never forget it. Mm -hmm. Number one. Uh, My number one, and I'm just going to read it as I have written here. The fake battle that never happened in Breaking Dawn Part 2. There are stakes. People die. Heads get ripped off. Random powers are given to random people. It's high energy and it's entertaining. It's too bad it was all a dream. My number one scene I have written down, Final Battle Fake Out. Hey. Yes, because <laughs> it's cool. It is to watch. really cool. The battle and then it is cool. rips it away from well, you. Sparkle, sparkle. I yeah. love what you said though, because uh, I also agree with Eclipse. I, or I didn't put Eclipse on my top five list because I had this as my number one. Mm-hmm. But when they actually get into the action stuff, and frankly, throughout this franchise, when they step away from the love story, I think that it's very intriguing. I think that the lore they've built through this is interesting, even though it's my, it may not be what you know. And I, I know every, we have been joking about Sparkle Sparkle this whole time. What you can appreciate, though, is the lore that's created is, for the most part, very consistent. I think back to, think for the most part, consistent with itself. Rewatch Artemis Fowl and tell me that it's not consistent. <laughs> yeah. But, but because... It's much better. Because think about uh, um, Avengers Endgame, for example. That's a movie that sets rules, hard and fast rules, and then 10 minutes later breaks them. What yeah. this movie doesn't do that. This movie says no, that this, this is, movie has less plot holes than Avengers Endgame. No, yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Hundred percent. It two. keeps it so simple. Go get the Twilight Room. That how could it break in. them? <laughs> you know that exists. Here's I here's what exists. I here's what I would want. I want a Netflix series in this universe, independent of a love story, because I think no there's colons? interesting lore. No Collins, but may, maybe vampires don't may, have Collins. Maybe <laughs> maybe starring Renesme. Imagine Renesmee. A grown-up Renesmee, not a CG grown up Renesmee. Renesmee. Maybe even behind a character, main character named Renesmee. Maybe even after um, Jacob has passed on, so that's fully removed. She distances herself. Are Jacob or Jacob in the movies? ¿Por qué no los dos? <laughs> <laughs> oh, your true intent. No, just, just kidding. Love you, Jake. You're not listening. Um, <laughs> but uh, imagine, you know, Renesmee and trying to go after and disband the Volturi to remove Imagine there being more powerful vampires out there. What else is in know? the world that's not a vampire or werewolf? Actually, why wouldn't they make this a series? There's money to be made. But it could be everything in Twilight that is not the love story, I think is actually pretty interesting. So do you guys want to go through your ranking in the movies real quick? Yeah, we have to do it real quick, though, because we're, we're talking way too long about this movie. It's still not as long as any one of the Twilight movies. <laughs> True. Just a fact. So just give it uh, real quick. Uh, Zach, why don't you go with your uh, okay. five, four, three, two, one. Uh, five quick. from uh, bottom to top. Twilight. Long gap. Breaking Dawn 1. Long gap. New Moon Eclipse and Breaking Dawn 2. So that was your worst to first. Worst to first. So Breaking Dawn 2 is your number one. Yeah, what about so Breaking Dawn 2 is my top. Uh, my worst at first. Uh, Eclipse is at my bottom. I hated it. Uh, oh, New I Moon. I liked it. Uh, almost just as bad. Breaking Dawn Part 1. Nothing happens. Uh, Breaking Dawn Part 2. Pretty bad. I actually put my number one as Twilight. Sparkle. 
All right, my number one, breaking down part one, is a movie doesn't need to exist. It's like Hunger Games, the last one, part one. It really does. There's no need for a movie. They should, they should, just, they should have just She's tacked it on to Eclipse. and hurting. New Moon is really, it's not good. That's fourth. Third one is Twilight. Second best is Breaking Down Part Two. Things happen. Number one is Eclipse. It's the best main oh movie gosh. of the series. I um, I think I really liked the ending and, uh, like I said, the vampire scene of Breaking Dawn. But overall, beginning to end, I think Eclipse is, it's is a, actually... It's almost a standalone story. It is a, a competently made movie and uh, yes. a good, compelling It was compelling written story. by an angsty teenager who had never had to talk to another living person in their life. Sparkle, sparkle. Yeah, sorry. Be the villain, mm-hmm. Joel. <laughs> Joel, you have earned a final rant. Thank you, Zach. Yes. These books are trash. The movie <laughs> is trash. They're not worth watching. They're not worth reading. They're not worth your time. If you do, if you do for some reason decide that you want to watch these movies, Zach wa- and I watched these this week. Watch them with riff tracks. So much more it's enjoyable. It's so funny. It becomes some of the funniest comedies you've <laughs> Please seen. Please watch them with riff tracks. But, oh my gosh. I do not like Twilight or what it did to vampires because what Stephanie Meyer did was she changed them out of ignorance and to make them more romanticized. She did not change them to boost folklore. It was just to make them more romantic. And now the influence is that they're lightweights that are looking for relationships, whereas vampires should be seen as dangerous in my mind. uh, They are. They should be villains. They should not be these... uh, And I I partially blame Angel on Buffy for doing this. The sympathetic... And Spike, the sympathetic vampire, it's, it's an issue. It needs to be stopped. Stop. Don't write any more Stephanie Meyer. Let it go away. No more Twilight. Thank you, I would like to leave with a comment by the screenwriter of the movies, Melissa Rosenberg, and she says, Twilight is about being loved completely for who you are, not for what you look like or what you say or do, but for the very cells of your being. That's a universal desire, but one that's largely embraced by women. And by the way, it is no more or less reasonable a fantasy than the big budget tentpole movies that appeal to 13 year old boys. I think she succinctly said it right there. This is made for a certain demographic. And it excels in that it's not for me. It's not for any of us, but it does what it intends to do for them. Okay, so we've talked this to death. Oh, boy. I'm death. Uh, <laughs> oh, and we're sorry. Gosh. And we were probably going to do it again, maybe in two years, kind of like we did at the last one. But yeah. if, if you like it, if you like this format, let us know if you enjoy kind of seeing us uh, defend things, being the defense attorneys for things that are maybe generally unliked. Yeah. Like we've, te- we've teased Nickelback in the past. <laughs> So we'd have to go into Nickelback. But yeah, so let us know if you would like us to continue this series. It is kind of fun to do the research for something you really don't care for. Well, and it's interesting to have to try and look through a more positive lens on something that you just have hated on. I I actually did. I said the guys here, I said, it's like you're giving me all the ammunition in the world, but not a gun to use it. (laughs) Because I was looking I had to look. I had to look for the good. And it was weird. But shouldn't we all look for the good? Yes, we should. Especially at a time like now. We need some positivity. Uh, we need some sparkle, sparkle positivity. <laughs> so give us uh, give us your comments on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We'd love to hear it. But before we go, we would like to thank the I Am The Listener category. It's Terry Finley, Adrian Gray, Chris Drought, Brayden Winterton, Colton Cook, Jennifer Kilkowski, Sean Sanquist, Kyler Just Wants Joel's Approval, and Alicia Bass. We'd also like to thank our Bacon Council, starting with crew. Congrats to Jacob on the Chalupa Twins, Dutler, Nicole DeHale, Chris Anderson, Ryan Farron, Stephen Ross, Mots Mudro, and Reverse Listener. 
Thank you, everyone. We really do appreciate it. We truly it. appreciate it. You Thank allow you. us to do shows like this for some reason. <laughs> don't don't look at this one. <laughs> uh, but if you want to find me, you can find me at 76Joel on Twitter. You can find me performing with QuickWits. They are performing online right now, but hope to be back in the theater soon. For more details, go to qwcomedy.com or go to the QuickWits Facebook page. If you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Candy3DD. And if you want to read my upcoming movie reviews, at ShowtimeShowdown.com. And if you want to connect with me on social media, you can go to Twitter or Instagram at TumblingMustard is my name. And more importantly, make sure you are following Bacon Sale on all of the social medias as well. Like on Facebook, also follow at Bacon Sale on Twitter and Instagram. And while you're at it, go over to tpublic.com slash bacon sale and get yourself a new Bacon Sale t-shirt, mug, pillow, wristband. You can really get a Bacon Sale logo on just about anything. And then if you want to join in on the fun, you can go to patreon.com slash bacon sale. Support for the show starts at just $3 a month. You can get some bonus bacon bits. We record them every week now. Talked about the PS5 just recently. Boy, did we. So until next time, you better hold on tight, spider monkey. <laughs> I want to try it again, though, because you kind of slurred there, buddy. Don't sparkle, sparkle me. I could talk about imprinting all day. Honestly, I see where your mind's at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, playing chess. A lot of chess. Um, family friendly. That's <laughs> what you do, right? You have six pages of notes, and that's like Joel level of notes. Yeah. He has six pages, and it's like Kent level of notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, twilight. I ran to you and promised to be somewhat complimentary. <laughs> I was singing Billy Corgan. You were singing lies. Don't take anything Billy Corgan says as a promise. The world is a vampire. It's not a vampire? So despite all your rage, you're not a rat in a cage? No. I watch you sleep. I watch you sleep. I watch you sleep. But it's, it's not fascinating. creepy. But it's not creepy because I'm attractive. It's fascinating. I am not surprised to be one. Joel, let me hear you. No! Uh, I don't want to talk about Twilight. You can't make me talk about Twilight. Hi, I like Twilight. Like, so no romance novels in the future. Is that what you're well, saying? I've written several, but they haven't got <laughs> picked up. No one really cares about G.I. Joe romance novels. <laughs> because you want to see Jacob's abs. In that. Those that's abs, not a sparkle sparkle. That is no, not. That's real. That's Those a true statement. Good. You're still reading facts. I hated my client in the past, Your Honor. Bella Swan is just like a self-checkout at a grocery store. They're making you do the work. Hey, girls, get yourself a guy who's going to be violently obsessed with you because that's all you need. No, Where you should never take lessons from Twilight. It's like, oh, he's gone. I'm going to go jump in a lake. Saw. That was a YA uh, <laughs> franchise. That was a great brain novel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> great brain versus Encyclopedia oh, Brown. Oh, man. <laughs> Make that movie. They, mm, that sparkle, is, sparkle, Joel. That's diminishing. Returns. I was just passing a kidney stone. <laughs> and then they make out like right after. Sparkle, sparkle. Good job, Damon. I love him. It will always be him. I think it's because you want to stay in the sleeping bag with him. She Wait, literally does nothing in school. Everyone's like, you're so cool. And why? Anna Kendrick's right there. And then she, <laughs> and she becomes the best vampire ever with <laughs> all the powers. Don't think the what 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 from Bella. You're wasting time in the rant. That <laughs> wasted time in the movie. We're eight-year-olds. We're now 11-year-olds reading about vampire honeymoons. Why are eight-year-olds reading this book? I don't know, <laughs> a little bit but they were. Eight-year-olds. Family. Family-friendly sparkle sparkle. It's just censored. 
Sassanidity. And, and they saw how lifeless he could be. No, he was very good at that. Too soon! Is that Cedric Diggory? Can I call him Dan Radcliffe? Really? We're buddies. Yeah. Wow. One syllable? Basis <laughs> yeah. here? Oh yeah, we, we go way back. I tried dating in high school. That would have been nice. How dare you, ma'am? <laughs> How dare you? Ma'am, you Kill like us. it. It's rant time, Zach. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I invented that, and it never worked for me either. Face it, I am hotter than you. Sparkle, sparkle. sparkle. Sorry.